and to start off with reading the scripture, we're in Mark 11, 1 through 12, A, and 15 through 18. As they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the ground, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest, heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went into Bethany with the twelve. The next day, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the branches or benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Thanks, Amanda. Good morning, everybody. Happy Palm Sunday. I, I love this week because it's obviously uh, an, in anticipation to uh, the biggest celebration we have yeah, as followers of Christ. Uh, that is Easter. Uh, we're going to do a, it right next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Be thinking about someone you can bring. Uh, but today, you know, here we are in Mark 11 as we've been working our way through from the beginning. And uh, it's right at Palm Sunday. Again, this just keeps happening. A number of things that we've been planning to do, you know, we, we talked, we had our, our kids' dedication on that week. It happened to be where we were at in Mark, where, where, there, where, kid was, where Jesus was blessing the kids, and here we are now on Palm Sunday. I'd like to say I planned this. I did not. It, God planned it. Um, but what's funny about this text, whether, whether you know this uh, or not, uh, this is, this gets a lot of sunlight in churches, this story, because if you are to look at the story of Palm Sunday, which a lot of churches tend to do this time of year because of the preaching calendar, uh, this is your story you're going to choose from. Uh, all four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they all include this in their uh, accounts of Jesus' life. Um, and very few uh, stories uh, have all the Gospels writing about it. But if you're going to look at Palm Sunday, it's, you know, when you come to Easter, when you come to Christmas, you have all these stories you can choose from. You're going to talk about those. You're going to say, okay, let's look at the Easter story. But there's a lot of different episodes, a lot of different characters, a lot of different people coming to Jesus or post-resurrection stories or, or around the birth of Jesus and different prophecies leading up to it. So there's all these texts you can choose for all those. But for, again, for Palm Sunday, here it is, and it's one we tend to look at often. Why is that? More importantly, if we want to ask it spiritually, why would God have it here for us? Why would God have it be something that we look at on a semi-regular basis as a church? Um, if you are one to uh, be skeptical whether or not the scriptures are brought together by God, uh, are, 
then I, I would encourage you, even as we look at these, uh, these details, uh, there's a lot of details here that are actually kind of interesting. They're kind of bizarre. Uh, why would they include them if they didn't actually happen? But if God did put this together, and he does want us as a church to be thinking about this perhaps more than a lot of other texts that we typically, why? It seems to me the reason is this story in a beautiful and powerful way sums up what Jesus is all about, what he's been saying he's all about, and by the way, what he calls his followers into. It's all here, all packaged right here for us. Uh, today is a special day, as Amanda mentioned. We're going to have the kids come in. They're going to be doing some things with palm fronds, which is going to be fun, which meant I was told I need to preach shorter. So um, I know everybody's worried, you know, sad about that, but we're going to go ahead and get into it uh, if, if that's okay. Um, looking at, uh, jumping right in at verse 1, uh, it says, as they approached Jerusalem, you know, I love this because uh, here it is. It's finally happening. What's that, David? Well, Mark has been showing us all along that everything is building up towards this moment. If you've been here, you know that, Jesus, that Mark often comments about uh, Jesus and his disciples as they're walking along. They're on the way. They're on the way specifically to Jerusalem. And that is more than just a, hey, you know, description of what they're actually doing. It's this powerful thought of Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem what he's come to do, and that's the, the, what he's been predicting, die and rise again. Here they are in Jerusalem, and what is happening? He's doing something that modern readers we might miss, uh, ancient readers would not have missed, those present probably wouldn't have missed. He's doing something powerful. He is claiming to be king. Uh, we just sang about that. He is claiming to be king. Um, you know, I think uh, for us, it's kind of like, oh, throwing down the, the clothes, the palm fronds, those sorts of things. Him kind of like coming in in uh, what's, what's classically known, maybe even your Bible says it's the triumphal entry. Uh, those are the sorts of things that kings did back then. If you remember back to high school, maybe you, you studied uh, Caesar or any number of the Caesars. Anytime they came back in from their mighty conquests, this is the deal, in a sense. I mean, it's a lot different, and we'll talk about that. But they'd come in on their big stallions, army marching behind them, and everybody would be throwing whatever was, you know, the equivalent of confetti back then. Their clothes, all these things, and saying, what would they say back then? Hail Caesar. Uh, even in the Old Testament, uh, in, in Jewish culture, for the nation of Israel, this is how it worked. Uh, there's different places where they'd throw out clothes and they'd say, this is our king. This is our king. Jesus is claiming to be king. He is claiming to be king. There's these verses in here that I was sitting here uh, uh, studying this week. I'm like, what is the deal with verses 2 through 4 where it talks about Jesus saying to a couple disciples, go on ahead and find a little cult. And if somebody sees you taking that cult, which you're going to find, uh, say to them, the Lord sent you and it's okay. And so these two unnamed disciples go, they find this cult, it happens to be where Jesus said it was, and the people come out and like, what are, you, what are you guys doing? What, what, what are you doing? And they say, hey, the Lord said we can take this, so we're going to take this. And, oh, okay. Uh, so sitting there, I was like, what is that all about? Like, what's, what's the point of that? Um, bottom line answer is a lot of people who have different thoughts about it. We don't know what it's all about. Maybe it's a little miracle Jesus is doing there. Here's what hit me this week as I was thinking about that. It is showing that Jesus is the initiator of all of this. He is the one setting this up. What is he setting up? He's setting up claiming to be king, and not just any king, the king of kings. Uh, if you look at these shouts that the people were uh, yelling at him, 
are cheering for him. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, first of all, they didn't really know what was going on. Uh, best we could tell, they didn't really know what was going on, okay? Uh, this was uh, in, in anticipation for the Passover celebration that was coming four days from this time. And so there were a lot of festivals going on uh, then. And uh, they would, the people would get together and they would celebrate and they'd do all these festivals. And they'd, they'd shout and they'd sing the Psalms, which is one of the books in the Old Testament. And here's what they're doing. They're, they're singing one of those Psalms. And one biblical scholar is looking at this week said, and this is one of the songs, Psalms, Hosanna, great in the highest. They would have been singing no matter what, whether Jesus was there or not. Uh, now, whether or not they knew the connection or not, it's interesting to know that they didn't think that there was all that big of a deal going on here. I mean, Jesus is claiming to be king, but check out what happens. It's kind of anticlimactic, is it not? He comes on in, and everybody's shouting. Verse 10, blessed is he who comes in the, in the kingdom of our, of our father David, Hosea in the highest. And then verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, I'm king. This is, this is it. Kingdom in the highest. And Jesus checked out the temple. He, he had some thoughts there, and we'll get to there in a second. And he's like, I'm going to deal with that tomorrow. No VIP party. No coronation celebration. The Romans, they must have known what was going on, the ruling power. And if there was ever a power on the face of this planet that cared about maintaining its power, it was the Romans. These guys would have known they would have understood different claims like these. They didn't care. They didn't care what Jesus was doing. Uh, there was no like Roman dispatch there saying, hey, we've got a problem. Sector 4 of Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, send someone over. But I actually don't. It's just, it's just people with a donkey. Like, don't worry about it. The chief priests didn't really care, or probably actually more likely with the chief priests, the, the religious leaders who we've seen through the book of Mark who have really had it out for Jesus. That here they say they're going to kill them at the, that last verse that was read. They probably don't even know, and they're paying attention to Jesus' movements. They probably don't even know because a week later, I mean a couple days later, when they would bring Jesus before uh, Pilate in this false uh, 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 trial, they wouldn't even reference this as evidence of, hey, Jesus is claiming these things that he shouldn't be claiming. They don't care. They don't know it. And yet here is Jesus initiating, I am king, but not just any king. Uh, the people yell, and they didn't realize it. John, when he wrote his version of this story, he made the connection. He said the disciples didn't understand what was going on until years and years later. People probably didn't understand. He said, blessed is the coming king, uh, coming kingdom of our father, David. And Jesus said, no, you didn't get it right. No, he's just sitting there. He's accepting all of it. He is claiming to not just be any king, but the king of kings, the king to end all kings. Uh, that was a prophecy about king, the kingdom of David that went back a thousand years. Prophets throughout those a thousand years leading up to Jesus would be talking about this coming kingdom, the kingdom that would end all kingdoms. The, the king of kings would reign, and his, 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 his reign would be forever. Jesus was accepting that. People didn't really understand it, not even his disciples at the time, but he was claiming it, and he's claiming that today. But here's the thing. Was he claiming it like Caesar coming in on his stallion? He was claiming it riding the colt of a donkey. I listen to how one commentator sums this up. I love, I love how he puts it. Let's see if I can find it. Verse 
For Mark, it is the lowliness and humility of the entry into Jerusalem that is so significant here. It's not his triumphal nature. Jesus is claiming to be king, but he's not just any king. He is the same king. He's making the same claim today. It wasn't just a kingdom then, and, that, and hey, that's a nice story not to think about. It. It's a kingdom that he was claiming, he was accepting, that extends today. But if you're here, and you're someone who, and I've, I've had plenty of friends this way, are thinking, okay, I would believe in Jesus if he made it just abundantly clear. If he just like, you know, he performed this miracle, or he struck me with lightning bolt. I mean, not literally, but in some sort of way in my life that I understood, then I'd believe. But you know what? Jesus is not always so interested in that. What he's interested in is us accepting him for who he is, coming to him, coming to us humble and lowly. Uh, you know, sometimes he works in the lightning bolt sense. I wonder if some of you saw in the New York Times this week, there was a conversion story. There's this guy uh, who was telling his story who found Jesus, became a follower of Jesus out of ISIS. It's an incredibly moving story in the New York Times. I believe it's New York Times. Um, and he was saying he had a dream, and that dream led him to... Fi- led him to Jesus. Now, I think that's kind of one of the more exceptions, although God can work in that way. He tends to just do it with, just give us enough to make a decision. He wants us to make a decision. What will you do with me? What will you do? Will you make me king of your life? Which, by the way, if you're his followers, that's what I believe this text makes, uh, makes us ask ourselves. Uh, he is the kind of king who wants to sit in the thro- on the throne in your life but he's not going to force you to make him do that. Uh, I mean, that was last week's message. If you want to listen to it, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. But remember with the rich young ruler, if you guys were here, this guy came up to Jesus. How do I inherit eternal life? He he had it figured out. Jesus named off some of the commandments. He said, I've kept those since I was a little boy. Jesus doesn't bother to say, that's not really true, actually. You, You think you have, but you haven't. He doesn't say that. He said, you looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack, sell all your possessions Give to the poor, then come follow me. And you remember what happened? That guy dropped his head and went away sad, for he had much wealth. Now, Jesus showed for him, that guy that what was sitting on the throne of his life was his wealth and his possessions. Uh, Jesus wants to sit on the throne of our life, and often we put something else there that we're serving. It could be wealth and possessions. We talked about that last week. I don't want to fully go into this because uh, I'm on a shorter time frame today. Um, it could be wealth and possession. It could be known for being great, it, known for being this. It could be wonderful things like our career. And what's happening is Jesus was saying back then, he's summarizing here, is that we can make, we can serve those things. And those things, even in the best of senses, like the best relationship, will never measure up, will always leave us, acting, uh, leave us empty and, and unfulfilled. But Jesus is saying, I, the king, have come to, to give you my unconditional love. Will you follow me? And so we need to, be th- we need to uh, receive him as he is. One really quick thought, and I wish I had more time here, but it seems to me that, you know, as I was thinking about last week's message and I was thinking about today, and I've just been thinking about a lot of this as we've gone through the book of Mark, it seems to me one of our biggest struggles, um, just people across the board, but let's, let's take a, a Christ followers here specifically, is pride. Pride is, says, I know what's best. <laughs> I know it's right for me. Forget what other people are saying. Forget what God's saying. In this area of my life, I'm going to choose because I know better. Um, but here's the king of kings who gave up his pride to come in on the cold of a donkey and say, no, 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 no. Just, just choose me. Love me. Follow me. 
Um, the first thought here is Jesus is the accessible king. He comes. He's available. He doesn't sit behind a palace um, or behind a White House or whatever it might be, the modern equivalent, from on high. When he had every right to stay in a palace and just share dictums from, from, from afar. No, he came to us, lowly and humble, uh, that we might receive him for, for the beauty of who he is. But will we receive him? Will we take him? That's thought number one. So he, he's the accessible king. The second thought here is we need to make the accessible king accessible to others. That's what I believe is going on in this next little uh, part here. Um, verse 12, the next day, verse 15, that's just to give us context here. On, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I have a, a slide up here, hopefully you can see, of the temple courts. Uh, this is such a great uh, a picture that I found. Um, and so the temple courts, real quickly, where Jesus, of course, was, he was in the outer courts. There are four divisions of the temple courts. Uh, the, the outermost division is the, the court of the Gentiles, as talked about. Uh, jo- Josephus, the early uh, historian, tells us that uh, the dimensions were uh, 500 yards by uh, 350 yards. So that's five footballs by three, three, three and a half football field length. So this is a enormous, you know, plot of land. You can kind of see the people there or whatever, ants. Um, and Josephus actually even said that the, um, the, the columns that held this temple up were so thick that you'd have to have three people wrapping their arms to just get around it. I mean, this is a huge place. Um, the other three div- uh, divisions, uh, moving outward, inward, uh, were the, the court of the women, the court of, of Israel for the men, and then the, and then the Holy of Holies. We've talked about the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where, on Passover, a couple of days from this, this time, they, uh, the high priest would take in a lamb and offer it for, um, for forgiveness for all the people. Um, and even the Holy of Holies was 150 yards by 100 yards wide. I mean, it's just a massive thing, which I think leads us to, th- to, to believe that, you know, Jesus was causing a storm here, causing a ruckus, but given the magnitude of this, it probably didn't affect the whole thing, okay? Otherwise, probably Romans would have sent over, you know, disturbance of the peace calls or whatever. Um, but he had caused enough of a disturbance, raised enough of a protest that people were listening, including the religious leaders. And here's what I want to ask you. If Jesus, normally kind, gentle, I mean, we've been watching the book of Mark, he is just patient, very personable. It seems like he's doing a 180 here, is he not? Overturning tables, I mean, I mean, doves flying everywhere. Uh, to give us a little bit of context, this makes it look all clean and neat. That would have essentially been a bazaar. Food, you know, I've seen food, yeah, food there, uh, but but animals there for sacrifice that you could buy to take into the middle and sacrifice. You know, change your money over here. I'll give you a good interest rate so you can go over. Why was Jesus so upset? He never gets upset about anything. Why is he so upset here? He gives us his answer. Verse 17. He said, God's house is meant to be a house of prayer for the nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. Four 
the nations. What was happening is the God's people back then were using the outer courts, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the foreigners for their own doing, keeping the inner courts. Oh, those are good. Those are pure. There you, can, you can worship in there. But the outside, hey, you're just, we're just going to tolerate you. And Jesus was livid. Jesus cares deeply for the foreigner, deeply for those who are far away from him and who are seeking potentially to see him. He cares so much. John's account tells us that he made a little way. Can you imagine Jesus whipping people? That's what was going on. That's how much Jesus, he cares deeply about us helping people have access to the accessible king. In other words, not get in the way of that. How do we apply this to our lives? Uh, real high level quickly here. Um, this is something we take very seriously here at Current. I mean, we, you know, during the offering, which is worshipful unto the Lord, God has given us, we give a portion back to that is worship. We pass around buckets. We'll do that today. Uh, we want to be very careful and above board on all of that. And so we have internal and external um, uh, systems in place to kind of protect us from that. So hopefully that's not uh, something that you, we, we take seriously, and that's not to pat us on the back, but that's to, to let you know it's something we take seriously. But as we think more broadly, or maybe even more personally, like what does this mean for us as we consider why Jesus is so upset? I think this point is mainly for those who are already followers of his. He is saying, I, I, here's a question we can ask. How might we be either intentionally or unintentionally keeping people from him or experiencing him? or knowing him. Here are a couple of quick thoughts that came to my mind, coming at it from a positive sense uh, in, this, in this thought. Um, we have an amazing opportunity before us right now. Next week is Easter. You guys know uh, that Easter is probably up there with Christmas, probably even more so than Christmas, the, the easiest time to invite somebody from a culture that typically isn't really interested in church to church. And what we, what we say here at Current is we, we encourage you to invite people into your homes uh, because we don't want to just say, hey, you know, just no relationship, whoop-de-doo, come to church. I mean, we, you know, we want to invest in loving people and relationships. Here's the one exception I would almost say, Christmas being the other one. The people are open in our culture coming to church. Um, we could take advantage of that. What might get in the way of that? Fear of rejection, you know, introversion, I, you know, busyness, all those sorts of things. Uh, not thinking about it, praying for folks. I mean, this is an opportunity. Um, so thinking about someone you can bring this week. Not in the sense of, please, you guys have heard me any number of times. Not in the sense of make you feel guilty or pressure, or, but just here's a wonderful opportunity we have before us. And the second thought is, um, and I don't see him here today, but um, is we can, um, we have an awesome opportunity uh, next week, when there are folks, God willing, when we're expectant towards this, we're praying towards this, folks who don't normally step into church, or this is the one year they come to church, to help them feel welcome. Create a space. Um, and when I was uh, mentioning um, the person I don't see here today, at the end of our men's uh, group this last week, um, one of the guys prayed this prayer. He said, and it was a beautiful prayer. He said, God, you know, we have just this awesome opportunity in Easter. People can hear the good news, the good news of Jesus. Would you help us be on point on Easter as a community, welcoming people into that? I thought that was a really cool way to think about it, pray about it. Can we be on point? On, you know, we're going to see our friends. Can we be thinking, hey, here's an opportunity. People are, are, whether they are intentionally doing it or just out of a relationship, they are going to get a chance to encounter Jesus and hear the good news, the good news. 
And so would you be praying about that, thinking about that? And then the other thought, and I won't spend too much time on this because we have in, in the past, um, is uh, other ways that we can unintentionally um, keep people um, from the Lord. Uh, you guys know this. The main reasons people are rejecting the church in this area in the U.S. are hypocrisy. Surveys tell us your relationships with coworkers and conversations with them will tell you. Hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and self-righteousness. Um, here at Current, we are hypocrites, self-righteous, and judgmental. We don't want to be, but we start with the humble perspective of we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Hypocrisy is saying, you know, hey, don't do these, you know, don't do these things, and we've decided that these are important. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do these things over here. That lifestyle over there, and we're, we're going to be over this way. We, as Christ followers, want to start by saying, do we have our act all together? No. Do you have to have your act together? No, that's the point. We all need Jesus. Now, does that mean we don't take seriously what God calls us into his command? Yeah, of course not. But we say, join us on the right as we're all moving towards Jesus. Uh, hypocrisy, judgmentalism. The one who came and could judge us, had every right to judge us, said, don't judge. In fact, he took it much, much further than that, much in, in a much more beautiful way, which leads us uh, to me, I, I think the 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 most beautiful thing about what we're seeing here in this text is Jesus comes in on the donkey. Uh, remember, I mentioned earlier that he rode in, he rode in uh, four days before Passover. That's Palm Sunday, which means uh, given that uh, in the Jewish calendar, that would have meant the 10th day of the month, which bear with me, understands, we see the significance of this when we read it when Passover was first instituted. Listen to this. This is from Exodus 12, Moses writing way back in the day. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The lamb you choose must be a one-year-old male without defect. Take care of it until the 14th day of the month when all members of the community of Israel must slaughter their lambs at twilight. As Jesus was riding in, and the people were yelling, Hosanna in the highest. That word, liter Hosanna, literally means save now. With probably not even knowing it, they were selecting their sacrificial lamb. They were choosing Jesus as the sacrifice, which in four days, he would be on the cross. Jesus, the king of kings, came not just to take up his throne, but first take up a cross. That is the beauty and power of the one we follow, or you can choose to follow today. He's not going to beat you over the head with it. He's not going to say, you know, you must do that, you must. And then he's just, come, follow me. He's, he's closed the gap to you. And he says, would you follow me? And the same thing, for those of you who are followers, is he's not going to say in this area, this life, he'll, he'll make it clear often, but he's not going to like, he's just going to look at you and love you because he wants you in your own decision and right to make up your mind. But this is the beautiful king of kings that we serve, the sacrificial lamb. Um, he loves you that much, which is just such, such a gift. And we just don't deserve that. Uh, listen to... Uh, how uh, the prophet Isaiah, writing 800 years before Christ, he's talking about the man of sorrows. We talked about, we sang about the man of sorrows, talking about Jesus. He says, he was pierced 
for our transgressions. That is sins. That is our wrongdoings. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Uh, So will you turn to him today? If you're a follower of his, uh, will you make him accessible to someone? Maybe even this week. Uh, Let's pray. Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, um, what a shakeup to the establishment you brought. I mean, if I were writing this, I would have come in on a stallion. But that's the point. You came in on a donkey, not just a donkey, just the, the cold of a donkey, just to make the point absolutely clear that you came here for us, to make yourself available to us, to love us. And if you're here today, uh, you can follow him, this, this humble king of, of kings. Uh, even now, in your heart, you can make a decision. Say, Lord, I just I receive the forgiveness that you offer by dying on the cross and rising again from the grave. You can make that decision today. And I encourage you, uh, even now, you can pray that. You can say, God... Would you, would you forgive me? Would you love me? I want to be your follower. And if you do that, would you indicate that on a card, uh, on the card as you put in the bucket? The only reason for that is we can follow up with you. We can pray for you. We can give you resources. Um, making that sort of decision is good to bring others into it. Um, and just continuing in prayer, Father, we just, all of us, we just desperately need you. We want to serve you, and we just, we're so thankful that you make your love, your unconditional love, so available to us. Please bless as we go into Easter week. Uh, Lord, would you prepare our hearts for this wonderful celebration coming up? And would you, would you uh, lead us to helping others come? Uh, we just, we just want to praise you on that day and throw a big party. Um, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.